I guess next week we're going to talk about, maybe we may get into it today, what it means to be still. Because the answers that we got earlier was all, were all wrong. Sorry about that. Well intent, but somewhat right, but not totally right. And so I'm glad I, I, somebody brought that question up because if you don't understand what it means to be still, you're never going to get over your problems. And it's funny how there's an intellectual way of learning things that is separated from the real way of learning, and you struggle through life thinking that you know you really don't know. That's a setup. Isn't that interesting? Well, um, I want to say to you guys that thanks to God and thanks to uh, the employees of Bond and thanks to the volunteers of Bond, Today, we are 20 years old. The organization is 20 years old. Isn't that amazing? That is absolutely mind-blowing. 20 years old today. And it feels like we've been around for a year. It doesn't feel like 20 years. They just roll by just like that. I could have gotten about 20 degrees between then and now had I gone to college. Um, I just want to say thanks to everybody. I mean, there are people who have been with us from day one. I remember when we first started the organization. Some of you guys were there. Delo was there. Uh, Rhonda, you weren't there from day one, right? How long have you been there? I think 17 years. 17 years. Well, it feels like day one. No, I'm kidding. Um, John and a whole bunch of people. And I, I really... Who? Oh, yeah. For a while, we didn't let white people get in. <laughs> yeah, Francisco wasn't there from day... Were you there from day one? He came later. But, uh... Oh, yeah, you were there from day one, right? That's right. Yeah. I remember when we first started, we were going to let white people come in because they were, like, jealous of what we were doing. <laughs> you know... You know how white people like to take things away from black people? And it was looking good, so they wanted to come in. And so I said, all right, let's let the white people in. And they came, and the black people had a hissing fit. They were upset, so we had to stop the white people from coming for a while. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Yeah, we had to stop white people from coming. And then the Mexicans wanted to come. And I think the blacks were okay with the Mexicans. Yeah, but and so after a while, we let everybody come. And I really, really want to say thank you for all you've done to make Bond possible. We have helped people around the world, really have, uh, of all races, men and women, poor and rich. We really had an impact on society. It's been more than I could have imagined. And how long have you guys been around, uh, Christine? You? I was just thinking about 13 years. 13 years. Now was in like eighth grade. Eighth grade. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> but uh, it's been more than I could have imagined. It really has. And I have the best staff right now working for Bond that you could possibly have in any business. You know, they're honest. They work hard. Most of the time, they don't know what they're doing. And, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
but, <laughs> but I do, and I'm, I'm real, real grateful. And I just want to just quickly tell you how all this came about. I want to make it clear that I barely have a high school education. I do have a high school degree, barely. Um, all of my life, I've wanted to know God, I, you know, because I have read in the Bible that if you know God, then your life should be better. Um, that there was a difference between God and the devil. And, and so I've always wanted to know what was it like to live a life as a person, a man of God. Uh, even when I was a kid, I remember wanting to know that. So, uh, but uh, I never found it. I, I didn't find it until 21 years ago. And the way I found it then was because inside of my body, I had this hunger for, for God. And I have to tell you, prior to waking up 21 years ago, I was a, a straight-out sinner. Whatever sin is, I was involved. You know, even though I wanted what was right, I, I, I had no control of my life. And I would go to different churches and ask preachers to help me. They could not help me. They would say, read the Bible and pray and do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I've done that already. It's not working. And they said, well, pray some more. And so the more I prayed and more I read the Bible, the deeper in sin I went. Anybody ever done that? And like you read the Bible and as soon as you put it down, you go sin. You know, you hate your enemy, you hate your friends, you hate your family and all that kind of stuff. That's what I mean. <clears throat> I had gotten to a point where I just literally gave up trying to change my life. It wasn't working. And it just made me frustrated to try and change my life. It's like something else had control of me. And I couldn't do the things I wanted to do, the right things. But I really wanted to get over myself. And I sat down and... Um, uh, the first time I sat down to pray, right away, I can see in a way I'd never seen before. It's like, it's like someone took a veil off me, my eyes or something. But I didn't really see it with my physical eyes. It was like revealed to me. And I didn't even know that that existed. I had no idea that it existed. I had not heard about it. Maybe I heard someone preach about it, but I didn't know anyone who was living that way. Or I had not heard about it growing up, that there was another way of seeing. And but right away, he allowed me to see. And the first thing I saw that I had this anger to want my parents. I resented my mother because she resented my father and tried to keep me away from him. And I felt so badly about that. I started to cry. I felt so sad about hating my parents because I realized it was wrong to hate them. And also I knew in that moment that the hatred had held me back in life, that it was holding me back. I couldn't see how to live my life. And so I went to my mother and apologized because God said, when you forgive others, he'll forgive you. But I, just, I still didn't know the magic that would happen once you forgave them. So I, I went, and it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I was about 38 or so, I think. So I went to my mother, and I said to her, all my life, I've hated you because you tried to turn me away from my father. Um, you were impatient with me. And I realize now that I'm wrong for that. I'm sorry for hating you. And then my mother started crying because she didn't realize, she said she didn't realize what she had done to me. 
And for the first time, she told me about her mother and exactly what she did to me, her mother had done it to her. And it just goes on and on. But in that very moment, God gave me perfect peace. Really, I had no more conflict, no more doubts, no more worries, no more insecurities, no more nothing. It was like it was all gone. It was just, it's there no more. And 21 years have gone by, and I still haven't. I mean, I'm better for it now because I've gone through more in the last 20 years since waking up than I had gone through prior. But I absolutely have perfect peace. And anyone tells you that you can know God and yet not have peace is lying to you. Do not fall for that lie. Because just think about it. If I'm a child of the devil and he's making me miserable by giving me fear and doubt and worry and insecurity, and then someone tell me, well, there's another God you can serve and he's a better God. So, but yet I go to this other God and he's still causing me pain. Why would I want to switch gods? You know what I'm saying? It's like going from one relationship to another and things are still bad. But why would I want to go to a God or be a part of another God who created me, gave me life, but yet he's going to make me miserable. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. But people, <laughs> but a lot of Christians have accepted that you can serve the greater God, but don't expect to have a perfect life. Don't expect to be, have perfect peace. You got to wait for that. So if that's the case, I might well wait until I die. And hope that he'll give it to me after death. Why even bother trying to find another God? That is, the, I think, the worst trick that the devil has played on the Christian community. That you cannot have peace once you're born of God. That we all, we're still human. We're still this and that. That's a lie. Christ came so that we could have peace. But what, so, so after starting bond, I realized, wow. My problems have always been with myself and with my parents because that's where the hatred started. And once I forgave them, God forgave me, and my life took off just like that. And it looked, now I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but it looks as though God has locked me into this thing and I'm protected from anger. I'm protected from hating my enemies or hating anyone. And it won't let me. It just, just like I was controlled by the other guy, I'm absolutely controlled by the God that brings peace. And long story short, I'll take some questions. Uh, when I first started out, I had never done a meeting before or anything. Uh, my English was bad, worse than what it is now. And because I have a, a cleft palate and a hair lip, I can barely speak clearly at all. And I remember someone telling me, how do you think you're going to run a meeting and you can't speak well, and you don't know English. I'm like, I have no idea. I didn't know either. I used to hear myself on the tapes, and I would cringe. I sounded so bad. But I couldn't help, I, I couldn't help myself. I kept going back and just doing it anyway. Um, and I've been called every name in the book for it. I mean, just, I've been banned from radio stations, just all kind of stuff. I had no plan of how to run bond. I remember my first board of directors that were with me, 
many of them got upset because we used to have these meetings and they were like educated men, lawyers and stuff like that. And they were like, well, what is your five-year plan? Honestly. And I used to say, I have no idea. I couldn't even think of a plan. I didn't, I mean, I had no plan and they quit. I mean, because I had no plan. They were like, when you go out there in the media, they're going to ask you for a plan. I have no plan. I, I didn't, when I started Bond, I didn't wake up one day and decided, let me go start an organization. I just wanted to tell black people they needed to stop hating. It's not the white man, it's the lack of love in the family. And one thing just led to another one. I had no plan. 20 years have gone by, and I still have no plan. It's amazing how that is. I've taken one step at a time, and opportunities are just there. I can see my opportunities as they come. And I say all that to tell you that God doesn't want you to have a plan. All he asks of us is that we seek first the kingdom of God, his right way, and he will add everything unto us. Because if you put your plan before him, that becomes your God. And whatever is your plan control you. I really have not had a plan, and yet we're known nationally. I have some of the greatest people in my life that I could possibly... Had I had a plan, I probably wouldn't have those people in my life who have helped me along the way. I mean, it's just been amazing. And uh, I do want... And then I'll take some hands. I do want you to know, for me to tell you this, anybody can know it, right? That inside of us is another reality. It's another way of living. It's the kingdom of heaven inside. And life is supposed to come out of us. And we're supposed to live from that way. It's abnormal to live from the outside in. It's normal to live from the inside out. And everything you want to know is already there for you to know. It really is. It's already there. And unless you learn to be still and know God, unless you overcome your anger you're not going to enter into this kingdom that I'm talking about. It's not going to happen. You can read the Bible until the cows come home. You can go to church. You can pay your tithes. You can have all kinds of friends. But until you let that anger go, which is the nature of God, of the devil, you're not going to enter into God's kingdom. It's just not going to happen. It's really not. It is impossible for me to worry and believe me, since running this organization, we have had some ups or downs financially. But my staff would tell you, not one day did I worry about it. I couldn't worry. It's not, it's not there for me to worry. I don't know how to, I can't, I can't make myself worry. It's just not in my nature to worry. And so what I'm doing in life is God's plan, and he has a plan for everybody. One other point I want to make. I've learned that of myself, I could do nothing. And you know how I saw uh, on Friday night, Bob and Waters did a, a special on, um, what's that governor name from uh, Stanford. South Carolina? Stanford. Mark Stanford? Stanford. Sanford? Yeah. Sanford. Mark Stanford. Everybody know who he is? No. The governor of South Carolina. He was, uh, his wife caught him cheating on her with another woman in Argentina. Argentina, right? And so Barbara Waters did a special on that on our Friday night. I'm sitting there looking at this special, and normally when I'm looking at something like that, I would be judging the situation. 
judging a man for cheating on his wife and judging a woman for how she dealt with it, right? But this time, I'm watching this program with no judgment of it at all. Have you ever lived that way? If you want to live, live a life without judgment. I mean, you have not known freedom or seen reality until you can live a life without judgment. And, and that's how God wants us to live. When he said don't judge, he was serious about that. Because as long as you're judging, you're not going to be able to have a relationship with him because you are God. And sometimes you're judging it, you're not even knowing, knowing that you're, you're not aware that you're judging, right? Because as you're watching another person, your thoughts are telling you things about that. Oh, how awful that person is. Look how bad that is. That is so wrong. Why would he do that? Or why would she do that? You ever had that happen? Your thoughts are talking to you. Nobody had that? I used to have that. Yes, yes. And still getting it sometimes yes, now. Yes. But this time, I'm looking at the situation. And Mark Sanford, that's his name? Yes. Governor Sanford. He had, in the material world, he had everything that a man would want. He really did. He had a beautiful wife. His wife was a beautiful woman. She wasn't some little fat, thug, ugly woman. She was a beautiful woman. And white men love beautiful, skinny women. Did y'all know that? <laughs> That's why not too many of them are marrying black women. Too big. And, uh, and even when Pat married his wife, he made sure that, you know what, you're not going to get any fatter, right? And uh, So he's starving her to keep her there. But... Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Pat doing this. But uh, Marsha Stanford had a beautiful wife. He had four boys. Now, it's hard to find a man to make four boys. These men are so weak today, the first boys are girls. Oh, sorry, Ken. <laughs> I forgot you had all girls, huh? <laughs> But this guy had four boys. Can you imagine what it's like to have four boys? And he, had, he was the governor, beautiful, educated wife, who really helped him get his career going to become governor. And yet, there was something else driving this guy to do something that he did not want to do or something that would cause him to lose his family and possibly lose his entire career. They showed... His wife, by the way, found a letter that he wrote to his girlfriend. That's how I started getting out. And she still tried to cover up for him. But he wrote this letter to his girlfriend talking about how much he loved her and all that kind of stuff, right? But, and so when she, when she and I'll make a long story short. When she found this letter, she said, the only way we're going to stay together is that you're going to have to drop this relationship and not do this anymore. You're going to have to stand up and be a man. And he said, okay, okay, honey, I'll do it. I won't do this again. And so she believed it, and they hung out for a while. And then this woman came to New York, or went to New York to visit, and Mark Sanford, according to his wife, begged her to let him go to New York to be with this woman. Isn't that amazing? He was like, please, according to her, I just want to go and hang out with her for a little while in New York. And she finally gave in to it and said yes, thinking that that was going to end the relationship. Now, this guy is being driven by something that 
all of us are driven by until we overcome it. And then, so she allowed him to go, and she's talked about the pain that she had while he, were, while he was in New York with this woman. She couldn't rest, she couldn't sleep, because she thought that she was going to lose her husband. Um, and then they came back and got it together again for a while, and then Mark decided that he wanted to go to Argentina and see this woman. Just think about this. The governor of South Carolina, South Carolina, he left his post without letting the Secret Service know, without putting someone in charge of the state while he was gone. He snuck off and left the city unprotected because of this drive that he had for this woman. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And they showed this guy going through the airport, dragging a suitcase, going to see this woman sneaking off into Argentina. And I'm thinking, that is something else, how that spirit can make you do something that will cause you to destroy your whole life. Isn't that something? This guy was really doing stuff that he didn't want to do, but he was stuck on this woman. And I'm thinking, what is it about us as human beings that we can get so into a material thing or person that it would drive us to destroy ourselves, our families, and our country? And a lot of people don't deal with that spirit that's made a home inside of us that make us do the things that we don't want to do. And here's the answer to that. Because of our anger, um, and, and because of the lack of love, we're forced to do things that we don't want to do because when you don't have that love, when you have that anger, you don't have love. And you're driven by God, which is other devil, the nature of God, that forces you to do what you don't want to do. But because people don't see it, don't understand what's going on, we look at it in a physical sense. People are really not getting help to overcome that because we can't overcome it. But we're not being told how to overcome it, and we're not dealing with that spirit that make us do the things that we don't want to do. And that's the problem. The world don't understand that. Even Christian preachers don't understand it. That's why they don't talk about it. But I'm here to tell you that if you can drop your anger, if you can forgive, then God will forgive you, and that thing that made you do wrong will have no more control on you, over you, and the spirit that causes you to do right would, call, would drive you, and you can't help but do the right thing. But you must be born again. You need a new identity. And that's why the people are doing the things, most people don't want to do what they're doing. Most people don't want to be mean. They don't want to be unhappy. They don't want to destroy their families. This woman that he went after looked just like his wife. They were both skinny. They had red hair or brown hair, whatever color. They looked just alike. It wasn't like he was going to something new. But because he has this resentment, I guarantee you, toward his mother, he's subject to women in that way, and he's driven by that to a point of losing his family. Isn't that pretty sad? Yes. This is why God said we must be born again, and this is why we can't judge one another because until we are born again, we're all controlled by the same spirit. We're all the same in that way. We, we need a new identity. We need a new spirit inside of us. We must be born again. And in a minute here, I'm going to talk about what God said. You, you need to learn to be still and know him. 
And when you grab hold of that, you'll be okay. You can live your life. But let me tell you some questions. Yes, sir. Give me a, take somebody else. I, you forgot what you were? Forgot it, man. Yes, sir. Did you have your hand? I did. If I can remember what else. Oh, uh, you, it, what you were saying about uh, living a life of judgment and stuff, I was just thinking, you know what, maybe, I don't think everybody really understands really what, what you mean by judgment? Yes. At least that's my experience with people. When you when you say judgment, different ideas pop up in people's heads. What what popped up in yours? That. <laughs> like different. I don't think people have a, a a good understanding of what judgment is. And maybe, do you have that? I think I do. What, what do you think it is? Well, I think judgment is is when you um, when you when there's some kind of hostility with the observation of what you're seeing. Okay. What do you think judgment is, baby? You got a new haircut. Did you go on your date yesterday? Yes. I can't hear you. Yes. How was it? I don't want to talk about it. It's like a whole world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that really necessary? <laughs> 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 must have been bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just realized you went on a date yesterday. Yeah. Well, Does it sound good? It was though? fine. I had a fine time. Will there be a second one? Yeah. Oh. No, no, no. This is for a first one this week. Yeah. I'm sorry? It was the first one. Will there be a second one? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it didn't go that well then. I still have fun, but I, yeah, I, you know. All right. Well, I'll pray for you. Oh, <laughs> what was the first question? We're looking for a woman for Fabian. Judgment. Oh, what, oh, is, what is judgment? How do you know who you're judging? Um, you can judge. I mean, I, I agree that there's hostility behind a judgment, but I notice I used to be able, and people can. No, just tell me what judgment is. Yeah. Don't go back into oh. what I used to be. Um, judgment is... Uh, it's like any kind of not knowing about somebody that your thoughts say to you about that person and you have no idea, that's judgment. Uh, it could be a little comment about a person, oh, this person looks like that or whatever. You know, it's saying it in your head. That's, that's judgment, where you just, you just don't know. You don't know. And, and also it's, you know, it can also be with hostility or anger. It's, I think judgment is just kind of like a, something that your thoughts tell you that you know that you really don't know. Yes, sir. Did you have any hand? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that judgment is always with uh, hostility or something like that. Because I, it seems to me that sometimes I judge. I don't even recognize how much I judge. But sometimes I judge, and it might just be just as simple as, you know, and then go on about your day. It, it don't, it's not like you're angry every time you judge. Sometimes you just think, the slightest thing about something, and you believe that slightest thing. Yeah. That's that's the judgment. Yes, sir. You think you're better than someone. You think you're better. It's basically. Uh, you you wouldn't ever do that. You know, somehow you're not in that same world. Usually, you judge the very same things you do. Yeah. Or at least I do. That's how you. That's how you operate a judgment. You think you're better than someone else at times. I, I catch myself doing that a lot. Yeah. And when I find myself doing that, I think of the things I've done that are just as bad. Right. And so I 
try to pull back. Okay. Do you know what judgment is, Wendy? I make a dis I make a difference between judgment. I say discernment and judgment. And I discern something, I see it as it is, and if I judge it, I have a, a feeling behind it. A feeling behind mm -hmm. it. Yes. Yeah, um, I have a conflict with a person at work and I was judging them and when I when I held that back, I could see what they do well <laughs> and yeah. I started doing that. That's right. And, and you, I couldn't see the person's skills or appreciate them as long as I was saying, this guy's no good because he doesn't do these things, he, he, because of what he does. The moment I s suspended that, everything cleared up. Well, a lot of things cleared up, not everything. And I began to appreciate that person's skills. So. What is preventing you from letting your anger go after all this time? <laughs> because, because to some extent, you become successful in the world if you're angry. Oh, you and become that, successful in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, can, I see. you can achieve commercial success by being an angry person. And, and, and that's why person. you won't let it go, because you need it for that purpose? Uh, I guess so. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think I've had... Whatever the next test is coming, it'll come in that way. But I had to over, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to become commercially successful, financially, have some money, yeah. instead of being broke all the time. And being angry does help you get to that point. Oh, okay. You can compete, you can whatever. The, the one thing I want to say is that you guys are right what you're saying. You are right about it, but it goes deeper than that. It really does. And this is why God said that you should seek first the kingdom of God in his right way. Because once you get on that pathway of finding and understanding what's right, there is a tendency to learn what's right, to learn about truth, and just repeat it. And then you don't go any further than that. But you got to somehow or another find it in your heart to want what's right more than anything else. Because when you do... God will provide for you, too. You got to realize he made everything. He owned everything. So he'll keep you fat and sassy. Don't worry about that. He'll show you how to work. You know, he'll show you how the opportunities. He'll put people in your way that can help you along the way. But the most important thing is to really know yourself. And I was telling a friend of mine yesterday that his battle is not with other people. You know, when, you know your battle is with you. And so just because someone can make you angry, your battle is still not with that person. Your battle is with you. You don't want to have the anger. All they're doing is they're just there. They are a challenge or a situation that brings on something that's with you. And if you can keep your eyes on yourself, then you can understand the kingdom of heaven. You really can. You really, really can. I'm losing all my thoughts about what I want to tell you about this because there are people raising their hands and I want to get to them. Yes, Pat. Judgment is the observation from your other identity, it occurred to me, that the identity that we have out of our heart, our, our, it, 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 it observes things from that kind of point of view. Yeah. Instead of when you look at something and just see it, it's coming out of a... Uh, it's not coming from God. It's not coming from you. And to add to all what you've said, judgment is any decision that you make. Any decision that you make about right or wrong or anything. 
And the beauty about that, and when you let that go, especially if you if the focus is on you, you're gonna see what's going on with the you know, the people around you. Like when I was watching this video or this documentary that Barbara was putting on, and I stood and just observed what was happening, I could see the real spirit of what is going on with this man. And that's what was driving me, and that's what drives everybody until you overcome it. But if you're sitting there listening to all these ideas about the guy, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, all you're doing is judging based on the intellect, based on what you have learned about right from wrong, and you're no good to nobody, not even to yourself. But if you're not conscious of it, you're not even aware, or you think the decisions that you're making are right. You really think that they're right because they're coming from your voice, they're coming out of your head, they seem right. But any decision you make is a judgment, any. And you have to, when you're seeking God, he will cause you to come to a point within where you would stand still in life and allow life to happen. It will happen by itself. Now, that's an interesting way and an interesting concept, but I'm a living witness that life will happen by itself. But it's hard to find anybody who is allowing life to happen. You feel like you got to have a helping, you got to have something to do with it. But it will happen by itself. Any resistance that you put up against it is preventing life from happening by itself. You're not supposed to put a resistance up against life. You're supposed to relax and just let it happen. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That is amazing, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot put any resistance up. As long as you have an ego, as long as you have a will, you're going to put a resistance up to life. And, you're, and life is a struggle. It really is. That's why it's so important that you focus on yourself you seek the kingdom of God, and he will start to show you these things. And then you can live. And for me to know this, it, I'm telling you, nobody's telling me this. It is real. And you see, I'm uneducated. Uh, I'm a black man in, in racist America. Isn't that how they say it? Yes. Black man in a racist society? Yes. Which is a lie. But that's what they say. <laughs> but... The God that I'm talking about is greater than anything out there. America is not a racist society, but that's just a lie that the people have been told, and they live like that, thinking that. Let me take this young man first, then I'll come. Yes. You remember now? Yeah. Well, not the previous one, but I have a new one. When you, um, you mentioned the decisions, I know when I see a, when I hear a thought, about what to say, something that'll be funny or something that'll be witty or something that'll be smart. Going along with that is that decision you're talking about that it seems to me, or, or it'll give me an idea of what I want to do next or what yeah. I want to eat or any, anything like that. That's the decisions that if you go along with that offering, that is that decision that yeah. you will suffer from. You will suffer. But you got to be conscious enough to see this going on. I'm telling you, watching that film the other night, Mark Sanford had a good wife. If what she was saying was true, 
the way she presented herself and the way she cared about her husband and all she did for him. He had a good and beautiful wife. There was no need to go out there looking for anything, any other wife. He had everything that he wanted in a woman. And yet, make sure everybody turned their cell phones on. And yet, um, because of his hatred of women, because of that spirit, that anger that in his, that's in his heart, one woman wasn't enough for him. And then the, the illusion is, once he get with this woman, if they should get together, because his wife filed for divorce, the excitement of that is going to fade away too. And reality is going to set in, and that won't be enough for him. He'll be looking for another because the problem is with him, not with finding all these women. The problem is, is with Ed, not with all the successes that he can have and making the money and all that. That's not the problem. It's a spiritual problem. It really is. And that's why God wanted us to do that. He wanted us to be his children so he could give us the best life that you can possibly have, starting from within first. It's not about the things that you have or don't have or the people you're with. And then once you enter into this kingdom, you start to grow in ways that's absolutely amazing. Really. And the calmer you become, there is a, it's weird, I mean, interesting. There is a stillness within us that uh, it has, it's like it has nothing to hold on to. It has nothing to hold on to. It's just there. But it's so quiet. It's so perfect. It's so right. It, it, and it's there. And you kind of know it's there. But it has nothing to hold on to. It seemed to... Oh, what did I do? Don't explain what it is? Oh, let them suffer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I said how friendly. How friendly, huh? Don't tell them what it is. It's because it's too easy to, to grab that thought and run with it next time. See, that's the problem. Uh, this kingdom, this world on the inside... It's really hard to describe it. I can't find words to really tell you what it is. And so if I use words, your intellect will define those words and you'll start believing that's what it is. And then you'll come back next week quoting me. Well, there's this world in me that's nothing to hold on to. <laughs> and you think you have it. <laughs> so what? It wouldn't know anything. <laughs> It is, to be real honest with you, there are, I, there are no words to really describe what it is. It's really not. But I'm a living witness that it is there. And I'm a living witness that if you put it first, put seeking God first, and that means getting, you know, having your prayer, your quiet time, you don't have to hoop and holler when you pray, uh, it means keeping an eye on yourself and being honest about self without any excuses at all. You can't have, you can't no longer blame someone for the way that you are. And once you find this, there's nothing that can make you let it go. Because now you have a new personality, you have a new nature. Yes, Nilos. 
just came to me because I was disagreeing with that in the, in the beginning. With what? With not saying what it is. But then you said there are no words to describe it. Right. And I always and it, and it just came to me that that's what's wrong with the general churches. You're right. It's described and people catch it like this like it's theirs already. Yes. And so they miss it because they already think they have it. That's right. Because the mind is constantly working. We've been so trained and taught. And we have so many words to define everything we do. When someone speak a word, your mind is automatically defining that word. And you and, and, and what you and you say, yeah, this is what that word means. So that must be what it is. You know what I'm saying? But there is no definition to this kingdom that I'm talking about. And it may be kind of good because once you truly, 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 truly enter in, you're going to know it. And there is no deception about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But your mind can trick you and make you think you still have it. I'm glad God allowed me to be an intellectual dummy. I wanted to be smart like everybody else. My best friend is a doctor. And I wanted to be something smart like that. But I'm so glad that he didn't allow that to happen. Because I, it probably would have been difficult for me to enter into. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> hate, anger. That's the biggest obstacle when I listen to you when you talk about things. Okay? Now, I really don't, I, I don't want to hate. Right. I, don't. I really don't. But yet, uh, uh, there is something, you know, in other words, there's something, and I don't, I don't know how to say it. But yet, there is hate inside of me somehow. Right. Because otherwise, otherwise I would be free. But I'm not free. And I know exactly yeah, why yeah. people are not free. Go yeah, ahead. but I, I really don't want, I mean, I don't want to hate. I really don't want to hate. <laughs> yet, yet, there's still a problem. Yes. Wow, I just realized something, too. So, and, and as a matter of fact, you know, to add something real quick. You know, when, when I sit and pray from time to time, I do ask that I would like to know, you know, like you said, drop your anger. I would love to do it. Yeah. But I don't even know about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know about that anger that is inside of me somehow. Uh, and uh, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You see? So, but, but you know what, at the same token, I, I just realized before I, before I started talking, uh, you see, it's like uh, something, and it's me keeping me from seeing. Something, and it's me keeping me from seeing. Yeah, yeah because you know what? Yeah. If that's something that keeps me from seeing is really what keeps me from knowing what this hatred is all about. Yes. I appreciate this conversation today. Because I'm learning a lot about how to help you guys. Yes, Faber, did you have your hand? Yeah, uh, I forgot what it was, what, what, but uh, a comment about what John's saying. I noticed in my life that I would have a lot of little irritations, little frustrations that motivated me, that I got energy from. And those little things 
really sometimes you don't recognize them you know you don't and you let them go and we get energy from that and I just it's real important to you know see that because they can they can build up and you know it it just it's like a life source those little itsy bitsy things build up mm -hmm. that's true yes ma'am I don't see the anger either myself I see I see a lack of faith you see a lack of faith mm -hmm. yeah Francisco, did you have your hand like a week ago that I forgot to call me? <laughs> did I see your hand right now a few minutes ago? Yeah, it passed. It passed? I won't answer the question because they... Oh, you're going to answer the question about... Uh... Yes, ma'am. I was going to say, when Rhonda said that, I just remember, like, when I get mad, I can see it coming. And, then, and I'm thinking, like, how come I can't, I can't help but be mad? Like, I can't stop it. Like I, I can see it, but I can't stop it. But I don't hold. I can, I don't hold on to it. Right. But I can't stop it. And when you say you don't hold on to it, what do you do not to hold on to it? Like I know, like I know it's wrong to hold right. on to it, and I know the situation. Like I'm no better than the person I'm mad at. Okay. And stuff like that. So that gives me a reason not to hold on to it. Right on. That's good. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that's that leads into what I, I wanted to say. Um, you know, you can you can preach and it can go over the head of folks, but later on, after they calm down, um, that you can realize something about what was said. You may not get it all. Like the like when Christ preached to the apostles, a lot of that went over their head, and it says throughout Scripture that after he was gone, then they kind of realized what he had meant. When they had the spirit, right. when they finally got the spirit, then they realized what he had said. But that didn't stop him from telling them, at least. That's right, and that's one good thing about this: you put the truth out there, and the seeker, even though they may not grasp right then, later on they'll get it. Some will get it, that's for sure. And so that's what's good about fellowshipping. So we can encourage one another, and just kind of put it out there and give you something to. Be aware. Although she may not understand fully. Right. She she did get, you know, some of those words do come back to her when she's in the midst of that's of, right of, of turmoil. I like that. You're absolutely right. Yes, sir. Uh, I've noticed the same thing that John's talking about, and it occurred to me that we're kind of looking in the wrong place for the answer here because when you look at anger itself, it's kind of like the horse out of the barn already kind of thing. Right. What started is what you talked about in the beginning of this meeting looking at how you're judging everything and making decisions, those decisions cause the anger. Yes, sir. And so we're looking, we're trying to cut it off down the road here because we don't see what's happening. But if we start looking at those things, you start seeing the origin of it. You know? If you could look at, be aware of yourself, making decisions between right and wrong, then you'll start to be free. Because that's, that's one of the primary problems. And we've been taught the knowledge of good and evil is not good for you. It really is, is. It's good for the ego, but it's not good for you. It really feeds the ego. I want to, did I get to everybody that raised their hand? I want to read something for you real fast here because we're running out of time. Exodus, did you have your hand, Ted? Well, I was going to say something about what, what, what John had to say about not not being able to see yeah. his anger. And, um, you know, for 
a long time I had anger towards my mom that I didn't see. But I don't know if I can express this, but the truth is I really, I did see it, but I just didn't see it all the time. There, there were, I can remember times in my life, you know, over the years where I would get flashes where I, where I would see it. You right. know, so that I had, I really, if you would, if you would have asked me, do you know, do you hate your mom? I would said, I would have said, no. But now later, now looking back, now I believe it's resolved. Now looking back, I could see times that there, there. It's really more honest to say that I did have some yeah. knowledge of it. I, I don't know if that's clear or not, but um, we talked about. Um, how you let go, like John was saying, I have this anger, and I know I have it, I don't want it, but I can't let go. You know, how do I let go? Um, in Exodus, Exodus 14, 13, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Stand still, fear not, and God will show their salvation. Here's what you got to do if you want to finally, finally be free. Remember I said, um, you got to just, you got to let go and let God. You can't participate in this at all. Your only requirement is to let go. And you let go by standing still. And standing still means standing still within inside of you, your real self. As a matter of fact, uh, there is no you. <clears throat> John said, I'm in the way and I know that I'm in the way. You are not in the way. There is no you. And that's a part of the deception. That's part of making decisions. <clears throat> you think that is you and it's not you. The battle is a spiritual battle between good and evil. <clears throat> it's a spiritual thing between right and wrong. And yes, we have a bit of God's nature inside of us. You know, so we're somewhat like him because we have a bit of his nature. But the battle is between good and evil. The ego, which is of the devil, the nature of the devil that's made a home inside of you, and the good, which is of God. And so when, when challenges come, when situations come, whether someone is, is uh, making you angry or feel good or look like you're losing something, or look like you're gaining something, or you're afraid of something, whatever you are feeling, and whatever you're thinking and feeling, what you gotta do if you wanna overcome this thing, you gotta relax and take it. Put up no battle against it at all. Don't go into your imagination about it, into thoughts about it. Don't. Don't yell out at the person who is making you feel this way. Don't judge yourself about it. Don't make decisions about it. You really have to put up no resistance to it at all. You have to simply take it. Because any resistance that you put up to it is what's going to save you from it. And whatever saves you from it is your God. And the true God cannot save you from it. You got to absolutely feel everything that you feel. You got to relax. It's like someone punching you in the stomach. You know that if you relax your, your belly, it doesn't hurt as much. It's like just punching in there. But if you uh, 
you know, gear up for it, the pain is greater. You got to relax and let it happen. You can't put up a thought about it, a feeling about it, an idea about it, or anything. You just have to take it. And then God shall save you. That's all the way it's going to happen. And you're putting up resistance against that old nature without realizing it. By making decisions about it, by overreacting to it, by uh, running away from it, by getting high or taking a drink to keep from feeling it, by feeling like you're better than the other person, the coworker, or whatever, you can't, you're never going to be free when you put up a resistance against that nature that's inside of you. That makes sense? Yes. yes. And, I, and this is why you got to become aware of yourself. God said, know thyself, so you can see you're trying to do this. And, and, and you see the temptations that come, you cannot put in a, in a fight up at all. Non-resistance. If someone being mean, let them be mean. If you're feeling angry about them being mean to you, you got to be angry about them being mean to you. Just let it be, and then you'll be free. Yes, you love. You know, that's, that's what Christ did. He, he never said a word. He just took it. He took and, it. And there's no, pain, there's no deliverance without pain. That's right. When women go in childbirth, there's no deliverance without pain. It wasn't any deliverance for us without Christ experiencing pain. That's right. As a matter of fact, a non-resistant attitude toward pain is easier to take. It really is. It's not as painful when you just relax and take it. It's when you fight against it. It lasts longer and it's painful. And you get worse instead of getting better. You got it? Oh. And, and then and, and when you relax and take the pain, it will cause you to go within and become conscious of what's going on. It really will. Then you will learn to live a life of awareness which is the mind of God, rather than a life of battling against the spirit. Because really all you're supposed to be doing as children of God is being aware of what's going on. You are the, you observe life happening. You're not making it happen at all. But you got in that pain, it causes you to go within. It should. But most people don't go within, they go without. Yes? Um, I, I had an experience of few weeks ago, uh, I, I think it's on the, on the same subject. And, um, and make a long story short because we're running out of time. Oh. Uh, and speak up a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was resenting someone and um, and Yeah, you're really speaking fast. Are you? <laughs> I'm trying to find a word. <laughs> I, I, I was resenting someone and and it and it got and it got I it got real bad and it was really hurt it was yes it was it was messing me up and I and I didn't know what was wrong and uh, I have to thank Pat because he's the one that pointed out to me as when I was resenting the the person I was actually resenting my own resentment yeah that, it's that, with I mean, you there, there are two feelings and there it was my own it, that was making instead of just watching it. I was resenting it. I, I think that's what, isn't that what, yes. you, what you're saying? You just relax and take it. Whatever you're feeling, whether it's fear or doubt or worry 
or someone is going off on you or someone took something away from you or whatever, if you can learn to just relax within, just take it, it will change. You got to live a, a non-resistant life. You got to, because in reality, you are not the things that are, that are happening to you. You're not those things. You are a living being. And so your focus should be living as a living being and not identifying with the challenges that are happening around you. God breathed life into us, and we became a living being. But when you live from the outside, you associate your life with all the things that are happening instead of just living your life as a living being. Most people don't even see themselves as a living being. When the last time you thought of yourself, you know what, I'm a living being. I'm not the things that are happening to me. I am not what I have or don't have. I am not my feelings. I am not my thoughts. I'm a living being. If you can live that way, you'll be free. But you're not going to get it until you can just relax and let life happen. And that's the problem. You got so many things because of your anger. You have so many things working on your mind and your feelings, and you're caught up with that instead of just letting it happen. That's how you get over your pain, John, over your hatred. You can't do anything about it. You got to relax. You just got to relax and just be it. As a matter of fact, you know what, uh, what I realized uh, a moment ago? The truth is always there. It's clear what actually happened. Yeah. See? It's just me uh, not seeing it, not being it, not wanting to. I, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly how to. How to you still caught up with your imagination. You're still trying to make this thing happen. You have not found that quiet, still place within yourself that you would allow life to happen. And you're still making decisions. You still, even though you want what's right, you still live in this world of decision making. And that's where the problem is. You still trust that. We're out of time. Um, as Moses told to, said to the people, be still and know God. That's what you got to come to. It's within yourself, within your spirit, there's a quiet place. And you got to learn to live from that. I invite you to get a copy of my Be Still and Know CD. It shows you how to pray. You can have the CD for nothing. We'll just charge for the shipping, shipping and handling. All right? Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. And thank you, guys. For more information or to purchase a copy of this show, visit us on the web at www.bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-BOND. Hey,